Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. This is Elena and Justin. Thanks for listening in today for our Q&A episode. And I think today's topic is a little different than the few of the most recent topics we've covered. So I'm really excited to dive in today and let Justin give a little more insight into the specific industry that he has grown up in and around. So for today's question, it's going to be, what is it like to lead in the midst of the war on food? Um, repeat the question again for the audience, Elena, because I think it's so important. Sure. What does it mean to lead today in the current war on food or on the food industry? Cool. I'm going to rephrase a little bit because I think what we're saying is what does it mean? What does it take to lead in the modern war in food? I think is basically what we're saying. And I like the term and I want to use the term term war, which I like that we used it as well, because I don't think people understand what really goes on. And I, I think we as humans have fundamentally forgotten that food is the greatest natural resource that we have. And I want to use the word natural because I think we're trying to scientific, we're making food about science and we take vitamins to make sure we're okay. And I understand all the concepts and all that um, greatly. And I understand that humans live now greater than we've ever lived before because of our ability to, to produce massive amounts of quote unquote food, nutritious or not. Um, and our ability to do medicine and, and fight modern medicine. Okay. So I want to distinguish between two different things that are, that are happening in the world. And I don't have any issue with it, um, but I want to distinguish something. We have to be very careful between what we're talking about, which is developing medicine, which is fighting things that come and invade our body, okay? We're talking, let's talk about science as fighting invasion, okay, medicine. Okay. The invasion has already taken place by the time medicine is needed. Okay. Do we have preventative maintenance like vaccinations? Yes. Okay. That those prevent things happening before they invade us. Okay. Great. Let's talk about food. Food is what our body does with the things that are produced in the world naturally into our body, okay? I understand the ability to hack it with vitamins and scientifically produced food or 3D printing of food. I 100% get that we as humans feel those are good ideas, okay? I 100% agree with you guys. 
However, I caution us because it took in the modern world of food and the rate at which we eat food. The problem with food is, is the micro things that we don't see in the science from day one or in the first two years compound in the human body over decades or sometimes into our children. Okay. Or we don't wait long enough until a generation suffered from it long enough to go back and reflect on it. Okay. <clears throat> this is what I find interesting. Okay. I get being a vegan. I get the idea. Okay. But we understand that our food has always been diverse. And we also understand that we as homo sapiens, as humans in our current form, wiped out the other homo sapiens that were on the planet, okay? Sort of have our intermixing of breeding or mixing of species with these other humans that were on the planet or human-like species or homo species. We also know that homo sapiens have been around for 150,000 years, yet we didn't have a cognitive revolution until 15,000 years ago until we diversified our diets. There's, you can look at science and that didn't happen with humans manipulating anything other than the way that we ate. Okay. We are so into our belief that God's or God or our religions that it was an instant thing, that it was just Adam and Eve appeared. I understand the concept. Okay. But what most likely it is in whatever way that we did it. <clears throat> And if we were a god or gods, you would put something into place, you'd see what evolved. And if you're relying on faith, and let's argue Christianity, my will versus his will. If I'm God and I'm growing the universe and I'm growing, I got more humans to manage. And I'm also worrying about humans taking out the other species I've created on the planet. Okay, he's not saying to not kill them he's saying to live with them i've got to understand that as i grow my will and my ability to do the right thing as a human and as a person of this planet whether it's for god or it's for the humans of the next generation if i'm an atheist um it's still god in, a, in what we're looking at, there's always building for a happier future. There's always building for a better humanity, a better world, a better thing for his planets. And if we want to talk about angels, ultimately, it could be humans. And we're missing the boat. And I'm not trying to put us on a pedestal, but we have hands and we have brains and we figured out how to work with animals in terms of eating them and living with them to grow our brains in the way they are. And we went throughout the world and we extinct tons of species. I don't think that was the intent of 
giving us a cognitive revolution or having an Adam and Eve to be the first homo sapiens as we know them. I think it's more like we have to look at what is our thing now? What is our duties? How much true responsibility is? God, no God. Gods, no gods. <clears throat> what are they actually putting on us? Because we are more intelligent, we are smarter, we have more cognitive abilities, and we have the ability to make sure all the species on our planet exists. Okay, and if we're built in the image of God, huh, and God is good and all things are good, what are we doing? Okay, he, he created a cat and a cat eats meat. If a cat doesn't eat meat and we make it a vegan, which we've seen, the cat dies in a few years and it goes blind. Why? Because there's proteins and fats in other animals that you can't get from plants, at least not in the way that we need them. Not the way, it's great they can exist. We can look, oh, well, B13 exists here and B13 exists over there and, um, and Stanley. And therefore, if we put B13 in this fake food, it should be the same as eating a plant-based protein. Don't you agree? Oh, I agree. On paper, that's really what happens, Stanley. And, and we're right there with you. And, and Bentley, don't you agree also? Yes, yes, yes. I see that's B13 on every one of these, so it must be the same. No, it's not the same. We forget how complex the human body is by looking at one number or one variable. It's not one variable. It's not one plant-based protein to solve it all. It's not bread for everyone. Okay, the whole reason bread exists, guys, is to try to feed everyone. There's no nutritional real value in bread. We pump it into it. We try to give it. We make it sustainable. It was meant to feed slaves. Okay, it was meant to keep them alive long enough to do their work. It was meant to make slaves vegan. Guys, like you weren't feeding them meat. You didn't care whether they cognitively grew or not. If they were just there to work, you care about their muscle and their ability to work in every three to five years. Great. The really smart ones figured out how to, you know, feed and, and proper and whatever. It's terrible. But we have to look at what it is. We are still animals and we're all trying to be free humans. And if we're all trying to be free humans, that means we've got to feed ourselves to be cognitively free. I understand needing to survive to even think in the first place. So we need food. I agree. But what I disagree with is that we feed people. We throw bread at them, for example, and we rise up leaders because of it. And we claim we're feeding the people. Yes, they're surviving. Big step. I agree in the world of godliness. I just think that we're not looking at it properly. I don't, I think it's, the deal with the devil to get by 10 more years, right? Is it really what God would do? Is God thinking about five years from now, the profit he could make 10 years from now, or that he could be president in five years? His career, his family, his money? I don't know. I don't think so. And I don't think the earth really cares. And while I think we need to pursue money and we need to be profitable, I think think that we're going to find in food that we need to start doing the right thing 
we need to start spending a little more money, particularly in free market countries on homegrown food. We need to look at what the biodiversity is or food. So what is it gonna take to lead? I'm not alone. Like every time I open my mouth about food in the world that I'm in, there's 20, 30, 50, 100 people that come knocking around my door wanting more. Do all of them have the stomach for the war? No, because things become easier because plant-based proteins trending, for example. I'm in plant-based protein. I agree with it. I agree it's a solution to help protect our oceans. If you really like seafood and you want to supplement, I can see that. I think it needs to be done naturally. I think we need to do it in a way that doesn't make the food worse for you than the food was in the first place by adding a lot of chemicals and processes and bad things to it. And I don't think it's better for the environment if you kill a cow and it goes from the plant to the, the store and then to your home and you eat it and that's three steps, yet we're taking plant-based proteins now and bouncing all over the place. I don't disagreeing with plant-based proteins. I'm just, we, we fight these wars on food. Everyone gets bread. Everyone gets bread. Okay, what, is there any nutritional value in bread? How about rice? Any nutritional value unless it's enriched? Come on, you could eat rice all day long, you die. Pure rice, if you don't add fat or you don't enrich it or you don't add vitamins, we enrich our rice because you would die otherwise, just eating rice. We have to add vitamins into it. Oh, we added A1, A, vitamin A into rice, Charlie. We got it now, you know, forget biodiversity. We just added it into the cheap products so everyone gets it in their cheap products. That's what happens. A scientist takes the shortcut. I don't, I agree with scientists. I love them. No offense to the profession. Get it. The shortcut rice, thousands of people is allowing us to have an 8 billion person population. Got it. What happens when we don't control our food systems anymore? What happens when we can just create our food and we don't have to rely on the environment or animals to do it anymore? What happens when the whole purpose of eating the animals is so we would have a relationship with nature. That's the design. It's that logical, no different than a lion needing meat. There are species that are predators. We can't stop lions from hunting unless we don't want lions on the planet anymore. And some people I've heard argue that we shouldn't have predators on the planet anymore. It should just be vegan animals that we should make that choice. Okay, that's fucking nuts, but okay. I can see that that might be get us to where we're going to go. But what are we going to eat as humans? Other humans? What happens when we can't grow enough plants? What happens when there's not enough organic matter in the soil from enough dead animals to procreate. Yes, we can keep putting stuff in it. What happens if there's no fertilizer or natural organic matter that has been processed through an animal? What happens when there's no animals to help with the carbon sequestering from all the humans breathing CO2? God, we're not, we're like, oh, the pollution and what we do. No, it's our breathing. Hello, duh. These are the things that we just are like, oh, we'll fix it with cars. Oh, we'll fix it with this. No, there's a lot of humans. I'm not saying be less humans. I'm just saying, how about an easy solution? We all eat. 
we all should function. We all eat. If we eat healthier, if we ate more humanely for the animals, if we cared more about utilizing the whole animal, if there were more companies that cared about moving food in one direction versus an an environmental footprint that zigzags all over the country or all the way to China when they're grown here now, the pigs, like it's that. Like we can export knowledge, we can export things, but we need in the free markets to develop the right systems, the right systems and the right food systems. And then as citizens who listen to this podcast or whoever, like we really need to put our money where our mouth is. And if anyone's noticed, the diversity in our grocery stores has gotten less during COVID. And that's mainly because foreign companies coming in and buying up the food chains in free market countries, farms, animals, butchering plants, you name it, processing plants, pivots, which are just buying the circles that spin with the water, all of those things that happen, take over the whole seafood industry, that happened too. All during COVID, while we were worried about our health, we actually did the worst thing by our health and we turned over almost all of our food supplies to be our high quality stuff now to foreign companies to export versus keeping here. Food prices have gone up. We now are getting cheaper and cheaper and buying more and more processed food. Again, brain function, guys. What are we meant to do? Why are we special? What makes us like God? What makes us, even if we're atheist, God-like to the, what is our responsibility then as a species for the rest of the species? And if we don't do it simply by eating correctly or diversifying it or realizing that that's the solution for all animals to live, for all plants to live, is how do we diversify all of that and live with it? That's the purpose of eating meat. That's the purpose of a house having to feel the killing of an animal so we realize it's worth and we utilize it. But we also realize that they still need to live and they have importance because if we don't continue to realize that there's an important part of our living as humans, we forget and we put ourselves at distance. And how many of us don't even worry about, you know, whatever monkeys about to be extinct that there's six of in Thailand or Asia or wherever, India. I mean, there are, there's about probably some monkey that's an ancestor of humans. Like, let's talk about, we're all part of the apes. We're great apes. Monkeys are just apes. Humans are great apes, part of the great ape family. What does that mean? You know, we're still the highest being. We still eat our way through a thing. We still have a responsibility over the world and all animals, all plants and all humans need to eat in some way, shape or form. And just blanket being a vegan or blanket being plant-based or blanket being carnivore. It's not an answer. I get it. I get the rotation, but the human body needs as much diversity in the diet as we can. And being a world that's so global, we should be focusing on diversifying the human diet as much as possible to diversify the nutrients and the minerals and the different proteins and how they affect and then different animal facts and how they stimulate our brain. Look at us now, look how smart we are now with the animal facts we eat now. Imagine if we try to save the animals on the planet 
by also making them part of our diet so we ensure their existence. What happens to our brain then? Why cheat the system when there might be a natural way to quote unquote hack the system that we already know from previous history that works? Diversify the diet. I'm not saying to eat our dog or our cat, there's probably not meat, meat on it, it probably being worth growing. Those are animals worth loving and companionship and they serve a different human function, mostly. There are countries that do eat them. But if there's a way that big cats and big dogs and whatever it is that we're worried about extinct, if we found a way to grow them or to allow them to be predators, but also hunt them every once in a while to eat them and utilize the whole animal and their fur in a more structured environment, like we've talked about on different podcasts, why not? Elephants, rhinos, I get it. We need a longer term plan because some animals procreate faster than others. But what if we really looked at it? What if the solution to humans wasn't a great complex problem? It was simply in the way that we were meant to exist. And that doesn't mean we can't go be car salesmen or we can't drive Teslas or we can't modernize the world and we shouldn't keep doing renewable energy and things like that. It's just how do we marry it to our food sources? You know, we're at Food Source Partners. Elena just posted a thing for the FSP Instagram. Like we have solar panels going up and starting to turn on in California. That's a big deal. Like having a food facility that doesn't have to worry about a power outage that doesn't have to worry about an attack from a foreign country, or even have to worry about energy for the environment being used or traveling down wires or useless, whatever, burning of something. It's right there. You know, will it run the whole facility eventually? Hopefully. Will they charge batteries that we'll draw off? Yep, that's the way it works. But those are the steps that I'm talking about. Food is what we need. We make the modernizations in food. We come to terms with it in food. It'll spill through everything else. We eat the way we're supposed to eat. We look at how we feed our kids. We stop thinking about things, food and meals in terms of ease and exercise and in terms of difficulty or uncomfort. And we start looking at things as what am I actually doing for the future generation? Because I, there's a lot of us, for me, my parents did a great job. I do not look at exercise as a burden. I don't not look forward to it. I actually freaking hate myself when I don't do it. It's an opposite reaction for me. I don't know how my parents did it. I don't know who did it in me. I don't know whether I did it to myself, but I will tell you that that's what I'm talking about. And now it's with food. Like I'll stray every once in a while. We talked about, and I got off diet, and I'll eat too much sugar here and there as I've gotten older. It's a weird thing as I've gotten older, in particular. Um, but as seventy-five hard and stuff, like you, you also get healthier in the way that you eat as you get older, and you also get wiser because you start to care more and you start to get more preventative with your food. So what I'm talking about in the biodiversity of food and things like we just had with COVID, that 
there's a lot of ways that you fight things like that. You don't need vaccinations. You can be very healthy humans. And not only like a vaccine, you can do it through food. Your body gets immunities. You get it through exposure. You do things. You build up your immunities and your, your minerals and your nutrition or nutrients and vitamins in your body through actual things that were meant to be processed in your body in that form. Um, and so we're all connected in the universe, uh, whether we know it or not, like everything is edible by something else here. There's things that are poisonous to us, but not to other things, right? They can then eat that poisonous thing, process it. And then we can eat the thing that ate the poisonous thing and not die. Think about it. I just gave a pretty good example of the way it works. Bees are pollinators that they can sting you and kill you. Should we get rid of all the bees because someone might get stung and die from it and might cause death? No. So to think we should just stop killing all animals and life's gonna not go on without death in the world, it's obscene or that animals aren't gonna kill others or whatever or whatever. It's just not gonna happen. And us being a more intelligent being is not being more intelligent by making our brain smaller. Being more intelligent is looking at what the proof is and how we got to where we are as humans, where we are now, what the agricultural and industrial revolutions did for us in terms of food and our population and science and medicine. And what does that mean for the future of food and medicine as we grow? If we know these items exist and we need them in vitamins, and we have scientists telling us to put them into plant-based proteins or breads or enriched rice to do it or enrich flour, put vitamins in it so we can eat it. So we don't just have nothingness, right? Why aren't we using that same knowledge to be like, oh, we need more A1 in the diet. Let's start growing more blah, blah, blah peppers from Colombia, uh, the country, you know, from Bogota. And why aren't we... Uh, in our labs doing that and why are instead we'll be like oh let's cheat the system and let's just extrapolate it from something else and put it into this food where it doesn't belong and you know the body will do just fine okay no so we're feeding people tons of rice and yes they're enriched but they're still not growing out of their situations they're still not getting the nutrients they need. They're still not having a biodiversified diet for their brains. They're still not given the opportunity every other human is to get the nutrients that are necessary to grow up, to have a proper. So we can feed bread and we can feed rice and things like that. And I think they're a valuable part of the human diet. I eat a lot of rice. I wish I could eat more bread. Um, but I don't, number one, because the, I have a gluten intolerance somewhat, but also number two, because too much bread is not meant for the human diet, right? It's good. I agree. We invented it. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good here and there. But eating a sandwich every day and having tons of dinner loaves with toast for breakfast sandwiches for lunch and then dinner rolls for dinner that's too much bread too much sugar because it's also enriched with all that type of stuff 
complex carbs. You just, same with pastas, like you just, and rice, like rice is probably your best option because, you know, whatever, but I still eat all of them, you know, but I'm aware that sweet potatoes have a lot more nutrients and beneficial to me than white potatoes. I have a weird thing with white potatoes where my skin peels on my elbows and my knees. That probably means that I'm not doing great with something in there. Probably if someone extrapolated whatever that is and put it in some plant-based protein and it was no longer a potato, I would not know that there was part of a potato in there. Because if it gets down to the micro ingredients, you don't need to label them anymore. It can just be a blanket statement if there's a less of a percentage. So that's what I'm talking about. We're not aware of our food. If you want to fight the war on food, it's, it's, there's a lot of countries and companies out there in the world that want to go for profit. And profit is let me sell the cheapest made thing for the highest margin. And the cheapest thing to sell is always vegetables. It's always is. It's also the least amount of money that's made generally for anyone in the food system. It's also the most manipulated food because you have to do so much for it to health life, to last longer, to keep fresh. So it's one of those things where like we can freeze it, we can eat it fresh, but the more we manipulate it and turn it into something else, the worse it gets for the human. And we think that because we're allowing things to have shelf life, that it's good. Shelf life is not for the human. Shelf life is to protect the businesses like FSP, like mine, that spend shit tons of money to put something on the shelf and don't want to lose their ass because no one buys it in four days. Because we have to compete with everyone else trying to do it. We try, we try and mostly all the way across the board, we do not have preservatives in our foods or with our co-packers. There are some. It's not our future, but it is there. And eventually, will we work with all of them to get all that stuff out and work on things like HPP, high-pressure processing and stuff to keep our food natural and fresh and try to freeze less, even though freezing's a good option if there's no chemicals or additives in the food great but the war is really there's companies there's groups there's entrepreneurs and elena I'll, i will want her to speak a little bit on this because i know that she eats well and you know tries to stick to it and it it comes and goes as well but it's the war on food is really with ourselves and the way we consume and if we're conscious by and intentional with the way we eat in terms of how we want to protect the food systems, how we want to protect the humans of the world. What is it that we want to give to the future humans of the world? What is it that we're trying to protect in terms of the future and regeneration of plants and animals on this planet? All of those things are done with food. I'm sorry, it's the easiest way. Everyone wants to take the easiest path. I'll take A A12 and A3 and put it into this, you know, pill, and then the human doesn't need to eat sheep anymore. Okay, whatever. Doesn't make any sense. We don't need A3 every day. Then we go from, oh, we need A3 from the sheep or whatever. I'm making it up, guys, making it up, the vitamin. So you're going to, someone's on there typing. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Making it up for reference right now. To give an example, if I needed something from the sheep, but I put it in a vitamin and I gate it every day, I really don't need it every day as a human. 
And so while I need consistency and discipline in my lifestyle and my meals and all that in the way that I eat. And I don't need consistency in the diversity of the food. The consistency to be does it not have additives. It does it not have um, shelf life stabilizers on it. Does it have, you know, how is it cooked? How much sugar does it have in it? Blah, blah, blah. So things like that. And I'm not saying sugar is bad. Okay. It just depends on in the form it's being eaten in and how much volume and how natural it is. But anyway, it's if we do that, then we fight the war on food. If we do that, we protect the markets in free world against foreign markets who just pay cash. They print money and come buy our food systems and then charge us more for it. And then give us when we were getting grade A pork, now we're getting grade A, grade B, even though we're crawling at grade A. Like, come on. Like, this is a stupid trick we play as humans. We are so gullible with marketing and advertising that we believe stupid shit. And we do not question our, the way that we eat, question the things that are thrown at us because of a person's individual motivation. And we talk about the war on food, let me explain to you food. More people eat food than anywhere else. There's more diversity in food than anywhere else. Probably my facility is harder to run than a brain surgery facility because at least brain surgery is doing one function, brain surgery. At least rocket scientists are just building rockets. We build all sorts of weird food, create food, biodiversity, because we know as a company that the vitamins and nutrition comes from the diversity of the food. We've been in healthcare and in hospitals and in nutrition for 24 years as a company. My father in food since 1984, 83, I grew up in it, whether it was, you know, fruit and vegetable stands. And as young as 16, I'd been doing fruit and vegetable stands, mowing fields, mowing lawns from the age of like, well, fruit and vegetable stands, I started at 12. But by the time I was 16, 15, and I started branching off on my own, I knew organic was the way. Shit, I'm 42 years old. How many years ago was that that I saw organic was the way? Whole Foods was, was just barely a blimp on the map. Yet here we are, food service partners, we're just gone organic. Took us 24 years to get it to that point as a large company, even though it took me forever saying it. But we fight these trends. Organic's here to stay, guys. And whether it's, it's you want to buy organic because it's a marketing term or you buy organically because it's just the way it grows, grown without the term, without the certification, and you can verify that it is, that it's humanely raised and grown naturally and all that and organic soil or for lack of a better term, all natural soil, great. But the war, the leaders of the war, every individual that eats food, it's every individual that questions, where did my food come from? We stopped doing that during COVID. Where does my food come from? We should care. It's the most important thing we do as a human. It's more important than our education. It's more important than being raised by our parents or going to school. None of it matters unless we're functioning at the highest rate possible in our brains and in our bodies to be the best possible. That should be what we want for our kids. That's what we want for other humans. 
And in the process, we should want all of us to have a relationship with the food that we eat in a positive way. And yes, there's death. We just need to minimize it by utilizing the whole animals, right? Animals die no matter what, old age, whatever. There's death all the time. Death is a part of life. You, you plow a field to put down, you know, corn, you kill how many mice, you kill how many worms, bugs. The death is numerous. Snakes, I'm just saying. It's not what we think it is. We're trying to avoid death by plant-based proteins. There's way more death than one cow walking a farm than when you plow a field. So if we're looking at that, we're never going to beat this model. We're never going to be able to eat it. And we could 3D print food. Great. It doesn't save the world or the planet. Doesn't. I know people think it does. It doesn't. We have to have a relationship with our food in order for the food to survive. And I get it. We can go off to space and move on to the next world. But let's just talk about this. If we don't take the animals and the plants with us along the way, and we're reliant on a 3D printer, what happens if we have no power? What happens if there's a natural catastrophe? Meteor hits the planet. What happens if we can't print our food anymore? We don't even know how to grow it. Just saying. Or it's all plant-based. What happens if we're all relying on pea, soy, protein, plant-based, and something comes in? Shit, I'll even go to extreme. We, COVID happens for peas. You know, or a bull weevil suddenly weaves up of some weird extraordinary eats all the pea plants. We starve as an entire world. I get it that I get it. I will even say Bill Gates. I get your theory that feeds the world. Let's fix this problem. You're not fixing it. You're guaranteeing massive death eventually. Massive, massive death. When you become more and more reliant on less and less diversity in food. We understand the importance of diversity in the work world. We understand the importance of diversity of knowledge. We understand the importance of diversity of exposure. We understand diversity all the way across the world now, except when it comes to our food. That includes spices. That includes different cultures and benefits their foods and their food combinations have together. Because these countries, thousands upon thousands of years, you're, they're doing combinations of food that is chemistry simply by humans doing it. That has great benefits by the combination of the food and spices and herbs they put together. That's the war on food. Become more knowledgeable. We all eat. We're all foodies. We all care about taking pictures of the greatest donut or the newest package that came in the mail with our great greatest jelly and jams, the barbecue place we just ate at, or the barbecue sauce we had. Where the fuck does it come from? What kind of ingredients are going into? What am I putting into my body? What am I thus 
putting into my body to pass down to my children or the next generation if I'm going to have children. Okay, I'm already done having children. What is the model that I'm setting? How long do I want to live to be a part of those children's lives? What am I leaving behind for my grandchildren in terms of the legacy of the food systems? We are blinded by easy solutions. We are blinded by the money related to those quick solutions. We are so blinded that every time we jump from opportunity to opportunity, we allow that the good opportunities that we're missing out on to be consumed by the foreign investors. Just saying, why would the Chinese buy up our pork industry while we're worried about plant-based protein? Does anyone else find that interesting? Um, if 1 billion people need to be fed, why aren't they concerned about doing all plant-based protein? Hmm. Because they've been eating rice for how long and their people are still starving and that's a plant. Maybe they are like, huh, plant-based protein, plant-based everything doesn't work. Buy up, the, buy up our pork, buy up the oceans for the fish. They're buying up the protein industries. They have a billion people. They have a culture that's tens of thousands of years old. They've been around a long time. They've had population problems and starvation problems a long time. They've been eating rice a long time. They've had opium epidemics a long time. I'm not saying we should be communists. I'm just saying we should be aware of what a population is trying to do with 1 billion people and feed them versus what we're doing with 300 million people or 400 million. It's kind of curious, right? Why would countries like India, Brazil, and those countries that have rising populations, Turkey be going after protein markets more heavily? Why? Because it's the modern day oil. Because it's the modern day gold. That's why I convince the world to take plants. Know that at any moment, if there's an oil embargo, okay, there's a soy plant crisis or there's a wheat plant crisis, or there's a pea plant crisis, we're fucked. Guess what? We've got protein. It's got all the vitamins and nutrients. You could mostly eat all protein and not many plants and fruits and be okay. We've got them all. We own them now, along with your oil and your gas and your natural resources. And by the way, while you dumbasses were figuring out plant-based protein, we came to realize that protein, land animals, and sea animals are a natural resource, and we need to get control of them just like they were anything else. And the fact that we control them is just as powerful as oil and gas, period. And everyone's like, oh, well, we don't worry about oil and gas because we go to natural resources and solar power. You, we are not keeping up. The population is growing faster than any of those things, period. So... The answer is not to get us all to live off of less energy. The, the thought is how do we use less energy to get the things that we already have? How do we plant things? How do we use more local food so they travel less? How do we stop exporting water to California? Maybe California is not meant to just grow everything. Maybe we need to relook at that. Not saying to bankrupt farmers or not bring water there or do whatever or harm anyone. I'm just saying, what is it that we grow there that can be grown? And what is it that we could grow somewhere else? You know, so 
what is it? What is the war? Um, sorry, Elaine, I didn't really give you a lot um, of time to talk there. I apologize. But obviously, I'm very passionate about this topic. Um, yeah, so definitely. Elena. And I think that you've also been in this industry for a very long time. So it's definitely, you know, important to hear your take on things and, and just all of the insights that you've gathered uh, just from your time and in doing this and being a part of this industry. So I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who are also in the same industry uh, or work with food just based off of the content we share and the interviews that we've had. And I'm sure this episode will, will really be helpful for them. Yeah. Well, and I want to say this too. Um, I'm going to go into this, <clears throat> Elena, because it's a broader business term. And I think we've talked about it before, but there's a couple things that I want to talk about. <clears throat> there's a couple tricks that are being played in the world of food that everyone needs to be aware of. The first trick is this, and I will call it exploitation of minority and women. Minorities. I want minority businesses to do well, and I believe in women business as well. I believe in this survival of the fittest, and obviously not everyone's given the same opportunities. So I understand equity, okay, and equality in that. Um, so that being said, either way, I think all businesses should have the right to fight for business equally and give an equal opportunity. I understand all that, but there are a lot of corporations. There are a lot of foreign companies in particular, and I will use this word foreign that know how to do business in countries like Turkey or Brazil or China, where you can't own more than 50% of your business. So these companies have become very good at managing and having control using money. And while they don't own 50% of the company that they have, what, what I'll call control over it through documents, um, regardless of percentage, depending on the country. So some of these foreign companies have come in and they use, they exploit minorities and women to build companies where these minorities and women are given large chunks of a company. Uh, they're backed by these very large corporations. Okay, so they're still backed by a very large urban great. They're given an opportunity. But what ends up happening is these minorities and these women, and particularly in, on my business, own businesses, is... <clears throat> You've basically just shifted the money from one pocket to another, but now you've just given away 40% to a foreign government. And not to mention, you think you're helping minority and women businesses because they're owned by a minority or a woman. But generally, if we really cared about diversity and minority or women owned, we would actually look at the diversity by which the business was built not who's exploiting a minority person or woman to try to get a contract when they just hire the same people, whoever's willing to get the job, right? I don't have control over what city I go into and what population walks into my kitchen. Like it's the best of the best, but not everyone's a cook. Not everyone's a sanitation person or a porter, right? So there is based on community and people talking to one another that they bring each other in. Eventually you get diverse in the kitchen, but at first it doesn't look that way 
because it takes time for diversity to happen. Because when you hire the cream of the crop, you have to start somewhere and then you have to start building. You have to eliminate problems and you have to hire the best. But when we jump started and we go right to let's promote minor, I get it. It's been unfair in human existence and white privilege, 100% agree. But the way to do it is not to give all the wealth to one minority person or woman. And I get it. We think that that's what happens to in white privilege and white power in entrepreneur and business. It's just the difference is it's not generally given unless it's inherited. And even in my case where everyone could argue it was given, it was certainly not inherited. And it's certainly not inherited to this day. So I've had to work for it and my father still owns it and I'm still bought in every share that I own. And so in food, we've got to be careful and look at, well, is this a business minority? Is it actually owned by the community or is it backed by a giant corporation in a foreign country? I know it's crazy and everyone's going to be really offended. And how could I say that and think I'm not in support of minority women businesses? I'm in support of all businesses, 100% across the world. Do I think there's less women entrepreneurs in the world? Yes. Do I think there could be more? Yes. Do I think that they've started uncapping the potential and women as entrepreneurs? Yes. Do I think it's giving them an unfair advantage? No, that doesn't make you a better entrepreneur. Giving someone a cheat code doesn't make them a better player. If Michael Jordan um, was given drugs, steroids to be a better basketball player, and we all praised him, everyone would be like, yeah, of course, he was the one chosen to get the steroids. He just wasn't great. He was chosen because he had the steroids. Steroids guy, right? Like. I know I want there to be equality and opportunity, but if everyone looks at it as we need to, to do what's best for the community and all humans, then the food really matters. That's a war on food. And that's a war on things like child labor, which you know we argue has to happen in some countries because they need food on the table and they're in the food business. And on farms, kids work when, as soon as they come out anyway, I did, you know, so what does that really mean? You know, are we oversensitive to things because we're having more time for knowledge versus creating purpose? What is it that we could do? Do we go to a farm and go learn about the animals that are on there? Do we take our kids to a working farm? Do we explain it? I mean, 8 billion people, most of us don't understand understand the way our food is made, how it's grown, that a cow even takes 18 months sometimes to grow, a pig, nine months. We keep trying to accelerate it faster. Here's where science kicks in. Let's keep making the animal grow faster. Okay, great. What short, by doing that, what are we shortcutting in terms of the valuable vitamins and nutrients and stuff that that animal was gaining during that other part of its life for us? So I'm not saying they need to live forever and then slaughter them. But I do find it interesting we don't eat male animals anymore for whatever reason, even though there's benefits to testosterone and all that for males, for male humans. 
So especially in the epidemic we're facing with testosterone levels going down the tubes. Again, guys, diet, exercise, things we're putting into our body, stress levels, not having purpose. Testosterone. If anyone in the audience wants to know about that stuff, there's food ways. Yes, I encourage you to go to a doctor, do whatever you need to do for your confidence. But the real thing is, what is our diet doing and how do we do it? And I find it in the, in the craze of like keto diet, which I agree with, but you're shocking the chemicals in your body. You're messing with all that stuff in there. And I get the purpose of it. I just don't, you know, I believe in it. I've done it. I get ketosis. I get the focus. Um, but long-term on it, I just, I worry you know, and that's here nor there. And I'm not here to get in an argument. I'm just saying that you don't want to keep shocking your body. Your body loves consistency. It loves consistency in the, in the times it eats. And when it eats, it just wants inconsistency in the biodiversity in it. So it can act like a screen and collect all the goodness that your body wants. And everybody is different. We're all biologically different. And so Yes, beef may not work for me. That doesn't mean I need to get rid of beef. Maybe I need bison or I need to eat snake or alligator or something else. It doesn't mean that bite beef is one thing, you know, and we've become so myoptically focused on we have chicken, which is poultry, which is also turkey. So we have chicken basically, and we have whatever else, and we have, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so how do we deal with all of that? You know, that's the, the questions we ask ourselves. And, you know, the, the thing is, is we've gotten less diverse with our meals and we've gotten less diverse with our food um, as humans in an effort to live, which we've succeeded at and live longer lives, which we've succeeded at. But now at this intellectual sort of divide, in terms of food, we have a decision to make. And the war is in how we eat. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it matters. And do I think plant-based protein has a place? Of course. I just don't think it's the solution. I think diverse, diversity is a solution. And if we can diversify plant-based proteins um, across many fruits and vegetables, which has always been done, it's funny that now this is a buzz term when Boca Burger has been around for how long and um, Morningstar has been creating mushroom burgers and, and carrot burgers for how long that were halfway decent. I would argue that the goal now is to make things taste like meat or taste like seafood, which is interesting. Um, instead of figuring out better ways to grow those or, or do better by those things, we're trying to just cheat the system which I get because there's massive amounts of plants we feel that we can grow. Um, but that's the war. I mean, we've all got to come together. I think there's companies like food service partners that we align. We're all ships. We all row differently. We all manage our ships differently in our crews, but I'm seeing more and more companies like ours or individuals like me that are starting to circle around in large numbers. You know, at first I was like, okay, maybe I'm out here. And, you know, we had the paleo thing and COVID really killed fresh products, guys. Like 
we stopped caring and our institutions stopped caring and our schools stopped caring about where the food came from. And we stopped caring about buying local and we buy more farm product than we ever have in food ever. And I'm not talking about only Mexico and Canada, right? I'm talking about the whole world. And could we buy more biodiversity across the world? Sure. To expand our diversity in our diet? Yes. But it would mean that we would also need to be doing that here with our own food systems and developing our own items that were unique to the United States or humanely raised or bison and alligator, for example, that we grow here in the United States that were unique to us so we could trade with other countries that had the other biodiversified items or spices if you're Turkey. And if we're doing it, though, what are the items we can actually grow here locally to diversify our local sources and not have to outsource? What are the animals we can actually grow here and rotate and have more diversity here? And how can we help other countries to do that? So there's not this war on food and the control of the food chain, and it doesn't become a natural resource that's controlled by one country or government or company or another company that it's actually all countries and all humans profiting from this, where we all profit, where communities and accountants and everyone's built from this growth in biodiverse food. So, you know, the more farmers there are, the more diversity in the food items, the better economies it builds. The minute we start reducing that in massive farming and only one item and micro crop, I mean, monocropping, meaning one crop, you know, all the time, the less need is for other specialties and other people and other jobs. And everyone's like, oh, that's a good thing. That's what we want as humans. It's really not. If you want a growing population, we've got to find jobs that matter for the people that are here. And that is in food. And it's not simplifying food in the way that we're doing it, meaning make it easier and less diverse. Um, it's really in making it simpler for the human to consume, but, but more diverse and harder in the, way, in the way we get all the ingredients. It's just the way it is. It's gonna become harder and more diverse to grow everything, to put everything together, to diversify it, to get everyone to convert over to different food systems or better food systems or less preservatives or healthier food chains. Um, and better treatment of animals, so on and so forth, and more whole animal utilization. But it just takes time. And we lost a lot of ground during COVID because everyone was so worried about getting sick. We allowed really a foreign invasion of our food systems, particularly in free markets all across the world. Any free market economy knows what I'm talking about, or person in food um, that's as diversified in the food offerings as we are um, can see that. So. I appreciate everyone listening in. Um, I actually thought I'd be a little more fired up over this topic, but the fact that I'm seeing more and more people come around to this and everyone in the food industry um, that are actually living and working professionals and entrepreneurs in food, seeing the same thing that I'm seeing and starting to worry about it and starting to be like, how do we get the college students to see this? How do we get all the people that believe so passionately in veganism and saving lives to see that there's the greatest way to save lives is to reduce death in all ways. And, you know, how do you get that? But there's more and more people that are also seeing 
our food systems be completely hijacked by foreign companies, um, them take the higher end products out of the countries or create shortages to drive up prices, which is controlling a natural resource um, and starting to play with our food markets. So it hurts the farmers who are actually doing the real thing because they can't just print money. And it hurts us as humans in terms of the nutrition and value we're getting from our animals, um, from wherever. And this is my last thing. I do not understand this. I get vegan leather in your cars and everything, but you're still producing it from something. That resource has to come from somewhere. You don't just create something from nothing. You have to extrapolate. You have to exploit. You have to get it from somewhere. So here's my thing. If I'm spending all the energy and the resources to create a vegan leather, that's how much more energy I wasted, how much more planet I wasted, how much more humans I've wasted their energy on creating something, how many people I've now convinced that this is the right thing when I have how many animals and cows we kill every year with how much leather. Just, I you know, and if the vegan leather thing is because there's a shortage of leather, I guess I get it. But it would seem silly to me to now have be burning and throwing away cow hides because we have would rather produce leather out of plants. So what we're now doing is taking a greater footprint to bake leather. We're now making plants to do leather, to vegan leather. And we're now growing cows, which could have leather, but instead they're throwing away their leather hides because we're on this vegan leather trend. What the fuck? It makes no sense to me. And everyone's gonna be like, oh, it's about the animal and the animal's soul. Uh, what? They're dying anyway. They're already dead. Hello, if you want to do something, help make the animal's life worth a damn. Because saying the, that you're going to not even care about its leather anymore is even worse, in my opinion. Like, that's not worth anything. Let's get everyone to buy vegan leather in hopes of what? That people might stop eating beef, so we'll never need leather again and cow hides. In hopes of what? And it's great, I get it, but if we all eat vegan, our brains are screwed, They're, we're screwed. Everyone has the science, everyone has this wacky thing that you can survive off of vegetables. I agree, you can, it's just the diversity, the time, the effort, the, the energy, the inability to grow massive muscle mass without wealth. Because veganism is, if we truly do it, forget about deterioration, forget about what it is, it costs money. And everyone's like, oh, look at rice and bread. Yes, look at rice and bread. There are people who are still starving and they have nothing but rice and bread. It's not food. Food has to have minerals and nutrition in it. That's why they enrich those things. Look on the labels, flour, rice. They're all enriched. So the reason that they're enriched is because you can't get the vitamins you need just from plants alone. So look at any history lesson. I encourage everyone to go to the history channel and look at all the food entrepreneurs out there and the businesses that were done and, and what happens in food when we start messing with science be way too fast.
and what happens to humans and disease and cancers and everything like that. Hospital visits, things like COVID. What happens when we rush in too much with the science and the food? Shelf life, nutrients, vitamins, trying to get things into the human body that we don't fully understand yet. And we can say that we do, we do not. There's no way we've outthought the way our bodies function and perform, especially in high performance with the fuel that we're given. And you can hack it. And yes, Gatorade hydrates. There's all these sort of hacks. In the long run, water is still better. You stay constantly hydrated. You have constant vegetables and fruits and salt in your body. You're going to outbeat Gatorade. Yes, there's tabs and CBD can help with swelling and all that still something natural. Oh, turmeric for swelling, natural, spice. So we just got to look at that stuff. So, um, you know, what are the things? What, oh, I have this foot thing or my knee's aching. Like, I know everyone thinks it's, oh, I go to a doctor and they told me I need surgery. Like, I just, there's a lot of ways that I personally have found that food and the way that I eat fixes a lot of problems in chiropractors and natural things. And yes, I go to doctors. Yes, I get shots. Yes, I'm vaccinated with all sorts of things. I'm not COVID vaccinated just for the audience. <clears throat> Someone can be mad at me. But the reason, like I beat things with food and like I, and I worry about food and I know how to build up my immune system through food and elderberries and, and vitamins naturally in food. And I know that bread and, and pastas and stuff will take away on my immune system when something like that's going on. So it's not only about the way that I eat, it's about adjusting the way that I eat during what crisis is going on. And we've done this as humans forever. You know, we change the way we eat based on the times we used to eat every part of the animal. We used to eat every kind of animal, squirrels, rats, you know, we didn't care that they were only, you know, mass produced. Now we just eat the ones that are easiest mass produced and they're the easiest and willing to be broken by humans. Like I use the word broken. Like we're like, oh, we're so nice. We take care of the cows. No, we fucking broke them to make them the way that they are for a food source. That's not bad or good. They get to survive. They did get to go on. Their purpose, other than roaming the planet, is food. That's their purpose. Our purpose is to take care of the food for all the food and all the animals and plants. That's our purpose. And to grow new humans who do a better job. That's our purpose. Their purpose is to procreate and be food for other food. We all have purpose in this world. We are all created with purpose. God, no God, that is what happens. Lions eat antelope. Antelope are vegetarian. Can humans eat both an antelope and a lion? Yep, interestingly, we can. However, we choose antelope. Why? There's more of them. And antelope can break down plants in a way that we can't. Deer can break down plants in a way that humans can't. And like I said, there's animals that break down toxins in ways that we can't, and then we can eat those animals. And then actually they break down the toxins and they become vitamins and nutrients for us. So 
So reason a cow has four stomachs and the way it breaks down all of its stuff. So it become healthy, nutritious meat. If we ate grass all the time, like a cow does, we would not produce cow meat. They don't need animal protein. They don't need to be smart and figure out. They just need to figure out graze all day and keep grazing and produce milk and take care of their young. And, and that's their purpose. But if we talk about the purpose for the human, there's also purpose for all the animals on this earth also, not just us as humans. And every animal individually or not has a purpose. And if they have a soul, then they, their soul has different purposes. Sometimes God uses bad things for good. Why did that person die so early? I don't understand. What lesson did everyone learn from it? How much did the family grow? What happened? I don't like death, but it is part of life and it is part of the growth of life. I grew up on a farm. I wish it wasn't that way. I hate it. I wish I could stop death. It would be the greatest thing ever. It's just unrealistic. What we're meant to do is live within the world and embrace life and value life so much so that we recognize death also and we learn from it. So what's the war on food? What's the leadership look like? It starts with you. And I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Primal Rock is the way that I mostly do it. Um, I come and go like, in Milledgeville, Georgia, they don't always have whole organic milk. So, I mean, to be perfectly honest with the audience, I wish I could drink whole milk all the time, organic, um, grass-fed, grass-finished, especially organic grass-fed, grass-finished, or not organic. I would just grass-fed, grass-finished also, either organic or grass-fed, grass-finished. I know you can cheat the system a little bit with organic also. Um, they're not only fed grass, they're fed corn and organic. Or, or soy. So I'm aware, but I'm creeping my way closer to the grass fed, grass finished cow milk, but I can't always get it like neither one of them. So I have to do regular. So I'm still staying true to whole milk, which I do think is the best milk for you. And I learned it the hard way. I drank shit tons of almond milk. I couldn't gain muscle. I couldn't sleep at night. Like my shit was fucked up. My body was weird. My digestive patterns were weird like and i'm like okay like everyone's like oh it's dairy and gluten and, and blah 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 and why i have some gluten intolerance potatoes are white potatoes are my worst nightmare um what i was realizing is that almonds are not they're meant to be eaten by humans not in any massive quantities we were never eat, meant to eat nuts in any massive quantities and now I'm drinking it and eating them and whatever. And my body's like, what is this? And while they're filled with protein, they're also filled with fat. And good fat in moderation. So we've just taken soy, which was never meant to be consumed in the way we're doing. Now we're eating it in our food. Now we're eating it in our edamame. Now we're eating it in our soy sauce on a regular basis. And, and in other things. And then worst of all, we're now, we have it in a lot of replacements for a lot of things. And then we're drinking soy milk. So I get it, it's important, but you just have now 
soy for how many sources of vitamins and vegetables versus diversifying or what milk actually gives you from an animal. So that's just a very interesting thing. And even milk, we should diversify our milk sources. I mean, there's camel milk that's very good for you. Goat milk that has goat cheeses that have a lot of diversity in them. Sheep's milk. You know, there's no reason we shouldn't diversify our milk. Cow milk is by far the best tasting, I think. I think camel milk is really good as well. But that's what I'm talking about. There's nutrition and fats that are in the milks too that are not just you get from killing the animal and the cheeses and the fermentations. So we just need to be aware. We need to diversify ourselves for everything. And so, you know, it's a big mission. It's a big thing because people are like, how the hell do I even do what he's talking about? Where do I even begin? Well, you just got to look at where everything's from. But I think things like what we're doing with Primorock, because I understand the struggles, we're trying to create an avenue where it's easier for people to do it. And I know Whole Foods does a great job and it's a more expensive place uh, and Sprouts way more expensive. But those guys do a good job at looking at the sources of their food. And I know companies like Walmart and Sam's Club are starting to get better and, and starting to look at more internal ways to look at American products and be pro-American. I mean, after 2001, I mean, the world was sustainability and locally sourced. And then suddenly COVID happened and we forgot what we had worked on the last 20 years. Building American food systems, building American products, building American food entrepreneurs. We just kind of threw it all away. And not only that, we let foreign invasion by foreign companies, especially in food, into our markets and into our mouths like none other. And why we don't see Russia and its control over gas and oil and the wealth that they've accumulated and what they're doing and now going after Ukraine as everyone's like, why Ukraine? It's a small country. And what is he trying to do? And it's about Kiev and its capital. All true things, I guess ultimately and the destiny of it but what people don't realize is ukraine's a breadbasket ukraine stalin knew it he just put the wrong fucking idiot in charge of the food systems in ussr if he had the right guy who actually biodiversified food in ukraine uh in the ussr during stalin's reign we would ussr might still be around today honestly they would have fed their population they would have figured it out and had to stop feeding them bread again bread so Ukraine is about resources and natural resources. And Russia is making a land grab no different than China is for natural resources, including food, especially proteins. So Russia's not got much farmland and it's got a lot of, you know, rural areas and it's got a lot of Siberia. Cold. Not a lot of stuff grows in Russia. So they have to figure all of that out. It's not right what he did, but in, in people's mind, like Putin's or people that don't think so much about today, he's worried about the future ultimately and his legacy. And I get it. It's wrong. And I get it, it's fucked up and he killed people and he exported people out. And that's not the way we do things in the modern world. But I'm willing to bet you just don't do something like that and you're just some mad lunatic, okay? There have been mad lunatics and maybe he is just like Hitler and it's a stupid thing and he wants to kill off a race and 
blah, 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 and power, power, power. I just don't think that someone who has as much power and money as Putin has, that it's about only that. And if he's rebuilding a legacy and it's about Kiev and Ukraine, one of the things that has to be fixed in the legacy of Russia is the embarrassment Stalin had on the food world when he tried to provide food for the entire Russians during the USSR. I may be wrong. You know, there's plenty of political people that research this stuff all day long. I'm just saying if I were him and I were in his shoes and I grown up in a country like his and which I've been to, and I've studied, I've took Russian history, both in high school and college. And Deborah and I've been there and I live with a roommate who's from, um, from Bulgaria, so which used to be a USSR country. So I've got a lot of exposure to it, not as much as someone that lives there, obviously. But I can say that if you're worried about your people and you're worried about power and you don't want your country to go backwards and you're scared of giving control away because one, your ego, but two, most likely because you don't feel that anyone can do it. Um, or has the balls to do it to create a, a thing, a proper country or the legacy that's needed or has the ability to look like a bad guy. I mean, he doesn't look want to look like a bad guy, but it's about food. That is my guess. I said it before, and it's the wrong thing to say, probably politically right now, but it's what it's about. And so the war on food is being played whether we're playing it or not. And, and free markets, it's being played with the push of plant-based proteins the way that they are. Every, it's, there is an opportunity there, of course. We've messed up our seas. We, the Chinese control 90% of the world's fishing, I bet. If not more, I know most of our, like 93% of the seafood that comes in the United States is from Chinese fishermen, Chinese fishing boats. China comes through China now. So... I'm not anything against China. I'm not trying to start a war with China, even though I'm using the war, the word war here. What I am trying to say is we should be starting a war with all humans against any humans that aren't diversifying our food. And that should be the very thing that unites us across the world. Forget borders, forget boundaries, forget gods, forget whatever else there is. Like we all eat. We all need diversity in our food. We all have maybe religions that and, and beliefs that restrict us from eating foods that other people eat. Okay, we have to think about that. Great. We're going to hate each other. That's my ancestor. I understand the problem. We just need to work around it. We need to start being real with what we can do and what it means to survive as a human and what our godlike position actually is. Because we abuse and exploit and act like gods all day fucking long without any of the responsibility, especially in our food system. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Elena, for listening to me ramble this podcast forever. Um, and I'm listening to me ask questions and answer my own questions. Oh, but We appreciate it. And I know that the audience is going to get a lot of valuable insight from, from just this episode and especially, you know, the second half of everything that you've shared. Awesome. Thank you everyone for listening in and
I don't know, Elena, if there's anything you wanted to add or um, bring us closure to food or, or how you feel about it, especially as um, please let me know. Yeah, I think that, you know, you've wrapped everything up really well and just shared a lot about even the food chain itself. So I would definitely want to include that in the notes of the episode. So if anyone's searching for content like this, they're able to able to find this episode specifically um, and definitely look forward to revisiting this topic in the future. So thank you. And thanks everyone for listening in. We will talk to you next time. Awesome. Thank you.